All right. Hey, everybody. We're back. I think we're keeping our schedule going twice a month-ish. Ish. Uh, it's Hallway Chat. I'm Bijan. I'm Nabil. All right. Our voices are different. Yeah, hopefully you'll be able to pick it up by now. All right. So we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Uh, you know, as usual, we prepared for all the 15 to 20 seconds ahead of time on what we we're going to talk about, mostly on stuff that we've already kind of glossed over in partner meetings or elsewhere. Right. Should we talk about the Tesla? It's, it's Tesla 3. Uh, uh, yeah, meet. let's talk about cars. Let's talk about Tesla, and then I got something else I want to talk to you about. Okay. In the, in the car space. Okay. So, um, so why, did, why did Tesla sell so many cars? I mean, I, I, I tweeted out something, which I think is actually the most retweeted thing I tweeted this year, which was uh, that the Prius sells about you know, 200,000 vehicles a year. Uh, and that Tesla has now surpassed that in pre-orders, uh, which is pretty, pretty amazing. You know, what's Tesla, what they've done versus what Prius, BMW, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. What, what, why do you think people, look, the Prius is a decent car right. and it's an electric car. It's not, you know, it, it, and it's made by Toyota, which is known for reliability. Why are there more pre-sales of the Tesla? Why do you think there are more pre-sales of the Tesla 3? Then there were shipped Priuses five, six years in last year. Well, I, I think what's happening is clearly the brand, marketing machine, all that stuff is, has just gone, you know, uh, nonlinear. But I think what's going on here is like you have a company and a founder that is really innovating in a way that we haven't seen before. I think there's plenty of other great electric cars out there, but like, you know, it's not just the hardware. It's not just the electric. Uh, it's not just an EV. It's the infrastructure. It's batteries everywhere. It's superchargers everywhere. It's the iPhone app that's great. It's that the car gets updates consistently and often with meaningful changes. It's right. it's a uh, it's a um, it's not just bold statements, but it's a lot of action to back up these um, these big big statements. You know. Um, yeah, it's it's like I, I completely agree. It's about an ask. If you're not buying today, it's an aspiration for the future. Yeah, it's where you think things are headed, and yeah. uh, and I, I think that's something we talk about with founders. I feel like we have that conversation with founders all the time, where they're talking about a pace of progress. I think right. consumers pick up on that. Like if you're just never mind who what you're you know the car you own right now or the next car you think you're on. If you were to ask most consumers, like, who do you think is innovating the most? Who's pushing the most? It's undoubtedly Tesla. And I think that's yeah. exactly what people are buying into. They're buying into the fact that every other car company is entirely predictable. Have, did you go to the event? I only watched it online. I didn't go to Yeah. There. The event I saw online, like, it was cool. It was well-produced. But it wasn't like this massive dog and pony show. I mean, here they took this car that is... Uh, historically with the Model S been like a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollar car and they made a thirty five thousand, forty five thousand dollar car. It was not like Elon felt very low key to me in fact. Like his uh he was not jumping up and down like Balmer or like Phil Schiller at one of these events. I mean it seemed to be very like, I guess that's what I'm saying. I, I I don't think that the reason that they're selling the way they are has anything to do with Elon Musk right. as a pitch man. Right. Um or even at how amazing the last product is, although the last product is pretty great in the X, it's, it, it is, this is the culmination of getting credit for the amount of new stuff they've shipped. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, this is like the pace of progress looks so incredible. Um, the you know, electric vehicles, 
the look of the cars, the gullwing doors, yeah. the like suicide mode, the yeah. the mapping infrastructure, like, mode, yeah. And then I know I call it suicide mode, and uh, <laughs> uh, the yeah, the all the infrastructure, like all it's the like every quarter, yeah. Like who talks about their car company this way? You know, maybe now GM will, but like no nobody, ha no car company has been talking like this, and so right. I think it's. If you're thinking about where your next car is going to be, you just have, you have no idea what's going to be in the three. Like that's going to be well, it's probably going to be a year or two delayed, like every pre-launch high-order product. But like when it comes out, it's going to you know your expectation as consumer is they're going to keep running, and that that like rhythm is something that I think very few startups, really any company, um, is able to pull off, and it's what creates that magical feeling. Like you remember that year when Google? We're talking about Google. We just spent a while kind of like. Google, well, you know, like, but there was that like two-year window where Gmail and Google Maps and like like every three to six months they were pushing an edge, yeah. and you just had this inevitability feeling about that company. Well, that, do you remember how awesome it was to get your Gmail account like before everybody else did? Like it was like I'm in, yeah. like it was amazing. Yeah, I, I, I think I think being able to establish in the consumer's eyes that you are the one that's innovating and pushing harder than anybody else gets you so much credit. Right. Um, and then very few companies pull it off, even when they're companies that get to scale. Um, you might give them credit for being at scale. Like Uber is a good example of a company that's at scale, doing incredible. We'll have an amazing outcome. We'll be a dominant company, whatever. Um, but I don't I don't give them credit for innovating, and I don't think. And so, like, my no, the credit is is operational excellence, not like innovation. Yeah. yeah, you know, they kind of there was a little bit of that magic with the Spotify thing. I thought maybe that's a path that you know, like you get in the car and and then the driver like plays your Spotify playlist. Like, I like, but there's no rhythm to it. That was there's no rhythm to it. Yeah, there wasn't another one two months later right. and another one three months later. And right, right, um, yeah. yeah, 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 I, yeah. You're right, Tesla. What's happening here is 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 this combination between like audacious founder high quality beautiful product and then this you know pattern of of exciting new stuff that they're releasing and 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 that package is the is the exciting part i i just couldn't get over it maybe i've just become a fanboy but like you know i saw these snarky tweets being like you know there's gonna be a lot of cancellations and i'm like come on that's not the point is it like, <laughs> is it the sell-through like the thing that we should be measuring right now or or, or or pissing on right now or is it is it like there's something else happening here I, I, I don't like they're going to be cancellations and no matter what, it's still the largest uh, pre-order campaign in history, even if 10 or 20 percent drop. Like it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty unprecedented. Let me ask you a different question. So out of all the people that pre-ordered, I'm imagining most the vast majority just by the definition of the numbers are people that have don't have a Model S. Right. And did, have never test driven a Model S. Oh, why do you think not even test driven? Oh, just because of the numbers. Because there's so many. The number. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, right? In a business where like test drive, come in for a test drive. That's like the whole like, yeah. right? Yeah. Crazy. Well, it also shows you, you know, how much price was potentially a barrier for yeah. Tesla. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In the Clearly. same way that the iPhone was a six hundred dollar phone when it started, and you know, by the third year they were going into Radio Shack, and the market was yeah. ready. Yeah. Whereas actually, I think the inverse probably wasn't true. It, you know, if they had been a two hundred dollar phone, even if they could have been, and gone into Radio Shack day one, I'm not actually sure, even an iPhone size that that and 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 brand value that that would have been the right move. You know, the mass market 
are by definition slightly late adopters. And I think having Tesla have five five years of you know, J.D. Power and Associates, top car, blows away every number on reliability. And he's had five years of building up a common knowledge of how great this brand is. And then you can harvest it at mass. And I, 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 don't, I don't know if he could have inverted it, actually. Like, if he had released a $15,000 car uh, five years ago, how different would the brand feel? Well, but, uh, sorry, just so I'm sure I, I'm following. Like, you're saying at a mass market price point with still this high-quality... Yep. You know, experience? Yep. I think if the first product had been the three. Oh, I think I think it would have been not not the same level of enthusiasm pre-launch, but I think it would have been a massive winner. Anyway. I think it would have been successful. I don't think we'd see anything like what we're seeing today. I mean, a good yeah, yeah. product. It's he would, to, he would, there would have not been a track record, is your point. It's not a track record. And also, it's an understanding of which part of the market you're talking to. Hmm. You're a brand new car company releasing your very first electric car. I don't care what the price point is. You're probably not selling 200000 of that car in the first yeah, few months. Yeah, okay. Because you're talking to early adopters. Yeah, I'm with you. I hear it. And, 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 and it, that's okay. And like yeah. trying to, because I mean, I think the reason I'm contextualizing it that way is because also I think it's a generalized lesson. Like I think we are in the kind of startup world, we're so honed to hyper growth and we're so honed to, you know, how many millions have you sold, um, especially as hardware companies, but even as consumer companies. That sometimes it's okay to internalize that like this is a product for early adopters right now. I think everyone, all the investors and the founders and everyone needs to understand that we have to have a belief that it'll be a mass market product and it'll be a large company later on. Yeah. But it, it, but sometimes trying to shortchange that and like talk about it like a mass market product when it's too early yeah. is is actually like just not the right thing to do. Yeah, I hear you. That's a good point. Um, good I feel point. the same way about Oculus, by the way. I mean, I think it's getting mass market uh, uh, attention in the media. Um, I think it's still a year away from being a mass market product, and I think that's okay. And thankfully, it's priced too expensive to be a mass market product anyway, right, which right, is good. Right. Like, right. let all the early adopters buy it, have incredible experiences. It's transformative. I'm long term still incredibly bullish, um, but it'll take it'll it'll take a little bit of time, and that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm with you, and I and I think the the owner has a long term point of view, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Hey, so we're talking about cars. I, I gotta, I gotta bring up. Um, you know, we had an exciting event happen uh, a couple weeks ago. The company that you were led for Spark and served on the board, Cruise, uh, had some big news. Yep. Recently, uh, with GM <laughs> buying the company, and um, so I don't know. I, I've been thinking about a bunch of things with this uh, this experience. You know, I mean, clearly the founders extraordinary, and your. Uh, enthusiasm for for the investment and everything so we could certainly talk about that but there's a lot of activity in this market now i mean i, I just feel like it's almost like after the oculus investment the amount of money that investors put into vr kind of shot through there not saying that we did it or brendan and palmer did it but like it's just like you can validate the space yeah yeah all of a sudden like you just track it and it's you know whether it's correlation or whatever like it's true like that's when it took off and and I just feel like now people are talking about cruise, like every single like uh, startup we're seeing. It's like, hey, we're the cruise of this, or we're better than cruise. It cruises the reference point, right? And um, so, as somebody who you know was on the board of cruise and obviously has strong feelings about the space and the company, like, like how how, do you, how are you thinking about like all this activity? Do you look at it and say, hey, you know, we were fortunate enough to back the team that like thought about it right? Do you feel like? This ecosystem is going to be massive, and there's other things that we should be thinking about. Like what, like what, what's your uh, what's your gut telling you? 
it's interesting that they use, use the VR example. I think it's really appropriate because probably the very worst time to start a VR headset company was like three months after the acquisition of Oculus, you know, by Facebook. Like that ship has sailed. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think we're seeing a lot of that activity right now. I think we're seeing... In, in the uh, autonomous space? In the or, autonomous yeah. vehicle space. I think we're seeing a lot of people that are ostensibly starting companies that are, for better or worse, basically crews, um, and expecting that the valuation that they're going to get when they get big is going to be even bigger than crews, when I think the laws, the basic laws of supply and demand dictate that's not true, right? When GM decided they, they absolutely needed this technology and they needed to go after it, there, was, there were a, some small companies in the market... Um, but none of them had really gotten very far along in their product development. Um, Cruise was by far ahead of everybody because they had started so early. And so there was really only one company to buy. Well, not to and, mention that Kyle was doing this like even before this company started. Yeah. yeah. And so they were just significantly ahead. And so there was, it was kind of like there was a company of one. In, you know, Ford and Mercedes, the, the conversation that I had here from other investors is like, oh, but like all the other guys are going to need somebody. Problem is like supply and demand means that like, when Ford goes to buy somebody in two years, there's going to be 10 of these things. Right. And so the price is going to be, I don't know, it's probably, it might be interesting to a founder. It's probably not particularly interesting to me. That said, I, I, I'm of two thoughts on what you do now because I'm still, I still obviously very much believe that self, you know, autonomous vehicles are the future. Um, but I think you, you can take two approaches. Um, I, I, yeah, interesting your thoughts on it. One approach, so I wouldn't, the one thing I wouldn't do is invest in another thing doing stuff like cruise. And I don't think a founder should either. It's like that's jumping now into a red ocean. Like what was used right. to be a blue ocean is now a red ocean. Don't do that. Uh, the, the thing you can do is to um, look for contrarian ecosystem plays. So, you, you know, okay, so they're doing that. But what are the other problems that are now manifest if this, if this ecosystem in this market exists? So, for instance, uh, long-haul trucking. Um, very different potential sensor set, very different mapping problems, um, huge, massive market, uh, not a lot of startups going after it. Um, another one is uh, 3D mapping. So, um, you know, the, there were a whole bunch of companies that built out GPS maps of the world that allowed um, GPS maps to exist, right? And um, met several multi-billion dollar companies. Those maps are largely useless uh, in a self-driving future, I need a three-point cloud map of San Francisco and Vegas and New York, and I need those in 3D, and I need them updated in real time, like every day. So who's building that? Right. Uh, maybe eventually the cars do that themselves, but maybe not. And there's a data play there. So anyway, that is to say that there are orthogonal approaches that probably really lasting enduring companies to build. I, I, that's how. It, and then the second one is um, is to just to try and go like one level deeper, which is what's the thing that enabled uh, this to happen in the first place? And, and the analogy I use is, uh, you know, Reed Hoffman and Mark Pincus made a macro bet on social. And that meant that they invested in Facebook, LinkedIn, Zynga, like they went social all the way. They were all in, yeah. right? They didn't try and launch five duplicates of Facebook which is what I think a lot of founders are trying to do right now in self-driving cars. Right. They instead, and for me, if I were to go like meta-meta, um, it's computer vision. The thing that allows this to happen 
is massive, massive advances in the last three or four years of computer vision. So if I was going to make a macro bet on a bunch of different types of companies that apply to this problem, it would be on the computer vision level, not on a self-driving car level. Yeah. Well, but computer vision, I mean, that's, that's pretty broad. So social. That's true. That's super true. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. I can't wait a year from now to do the venture capital deployment in this space, you know, from the cruise acquisition to the one year anniversary of the cruise acquisition. Like, it, oh, I think yeah. it's, I think it's yeah. going to be a breathtaking number. Yeah, yeah there's going to be there are going to be lots of CB insight and Mattermark charts <laughs> about all of the money coming yeah. into this space for sure. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think there are some really good companies to build here just 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 don't build the same company cruise built because that ships it. although i guess the difficulty there is that nobody knows what cruise built <laughs> yeah I, I i was waiting for you to go there because i i don't know what i'm allowed to say what i'm not allowed to say i, yeah, I think there's, yeah, the a, problem I think there's is a lot that of you read on the internet about, about what cruise has is not what they have so that's right. yeah. uh they, they they jettisoned that product a long time ago and so yeah, yeah that that might make it a little more difficult yeah yeah so i i i'll take your lead when when that story could be told. But uh, yeah, I think that that would make pe people, uh, you know, even think again about, you know, what's happening. Yeah, well, I was talking to Kyle last night. And, you know, I don't think there's a date, but but, I, you know, before too long, the world will know what what Cruise is up to. Yeah, um, yeah. Once they have it ready. Yeah, super exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so what can we can we segue back to we've got to talk the Amazon Echo, you know, Nest home automation, like what's happening on the home animation front, because it feels like it's it's the very, very beginning of, of something great, but still has not come to fruition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's, it's all this kind of bespoke stuff for the longest time. Apple talks about HomeKit, really hasn't happened. And then, you know, Google's got Nest with a huge amount of fanfare. They buy Nest, they buy Dropcam. It seems like things are happening. And then, and then things seem like they're not happening there, clearly. And then... Um, and then all of a sudden, like Echo seems white hot, and and uh, I know you've got an Echo, we've got an Echo. I'm about to buy two more for reasons that I'd, I'd like to tell you about. And then, um, <laughs> and then you know, all I keep thinking about is like, you know, how the hell did the company that gave us the Kindle Fire tablet, um, you know, like that thing was really bad. Like, where the hell did they get the core competency in in, in Alexa? Like, you know, it's it's out of the box is great. All this integration with third parties is great. Like, the the speech works great. And I always was under the impression speech was a data issue more than a tech issue. Like, you just needed tons of data uh, for speech to work. And, like, the, the thing is awesome. I mean, like, I can have the water going and the di washing the dishes and kids are talking. And I can just, I can just use my normal voice and tell Alexa something and, and it does the right thing. Like, it's, it's amazing. I, I've been trying to tell you. Yeah. You, don't, you might not remember this, but I have been trying to tell you that Amazon is making good consumer electronics for probably three or four years now. Oh, and no, I don't remember that. I remember you telling me I should get an Echo. That yeah. I remember, but I don't Echo, remember. Echo, I also recommended the Fire TV years ago. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't listen to you. I don't and remember. you were like, what are you talking about? Amazon, I mean, I, like, have you seen the t tablet? Like, oh, no, I think you threw back in my face. Oh, the, the phone. The phone. Fucking You're phone. like, yeah. yeah, this is not the company that is going to be your future. Like, yeah. I'm going to stay with my Apple products. Thank you very much. Right, right. Um, no, I, I, they have been, for those who have been watching the Amazon products for a while, like, look, they're going to have hits and misses, right? You know, I, I think, you know, do you remember the Apple Cube? 
Like everyone's got their pluses and minuses along the way. <laughs> Nobody else did, but I love that thing. Yeah, it, up until the sides of it cracked because it overheated. Yeah, yeah um, got some good with the bad. So yeah, that's what I mean. It's good with the bad. What what it felt like to me for quite some time, for probably a good eight or nine years now, was that they had made a decision that consumer electronic products were going to be important to them. And unlike, say, every other, you know, Android manufacturer that was just going to make knockoffs, that they were going to try and do something unique with everything that they brought to market. And so I had respect for them because, I look, I have respect for anybody who's an entrepreneur who's, who's whiffing along the way but is actually aiming high. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the like 3D interfacey stuff they did on the phone was a total miss. But it also like it communicated to me that there's an ambition there to not just be also ran. They weren't just in it to be like, oh, another company shouldn't we have phones? They were like, they're trying. And yeah, and, you're you're inspired by the boldness, not the product. And and there was something about the execution which was polished and getting better that said, like, as long as they stay bold, they're going to get there. So I bought that. So the Fire TV was the first, like, totally usable, amazing. Really? Uh, you would call it amazing? Amazing TV product really? for, for on-demand video. First one. Um, and it's still, I think, in ways better than the Apple TV, than second generation Apple TV, even though it's, uh, a, you know, that product is a year earlier. Um, it was the first one with natural voice that was usable. It was the first one that did deep link search. Uh, it has still what I think is actually more intuitive interface. It, like it's a very very good product, and uh, and so I, I just like you. I thought that was a nail on the head. Now I think they they struggled. Did in it how integrate to... with third party services, or was it just the Amazon Video? No, Prime Netflix is thing. on there. HBO's on. Look, oh no, really? Yeah, totally. All right. Um, so, you know, it, it's a really good product. Now, I think it's probably basically at parity with the Apple TV now. But it took Apple, you know, a month, I'm oh, sorry, a year or more to catch up. I so think what, what do you got uh, on a side? What do you have on your uh, TV at home? Which, which of these things do you have? I have an Apple TV uh, and an Amazon Fire. You, you have uh, two, two of these um, internet boxes. I, I have two. And your next question is, which one do I use more often? Yes. And the answer is I use the Apple TV more often. See, I knew it. <laughs> and uh, I use the Apple TV more often for, but no, I use the Apple TV more often for the like Byzantine Sony like lock-in effect of like <laughs> wanting to have access to content that is also you know on other Apple products. It's not because it's a better product. And and does AirPlay matter to you? No. But again, that's kind of I don't. That doesn't feel like a super long-term advantage. Those are the, that's those are the games that big old companies play to keep them alive for an extra five years until they inevitably die anyway. The reasons I'm using Apple TV right now are not real long-term sustainable. They are, they are like lock-in effects, which definitely build a barrier to entry for anybody else, but eventually erode over time if you're not building better and better product. Yeah, That's my yeah. personal belief. Well, look, the guiltiest charge thing here is I, I never even tried an Amazon Fire TV. Like yeah. that, that's, that's why you could say that I, I pulled the fanboy here because why wouldn't I go for the best product, right? Like I've tried every Android phone every single year. Uh, yeah. So I can say, hey, at least for me, I'd rather have an iOS device in my pocket. But 
uh, on the TV, yeah, it was a complete ecosystem blind faith move that, oh, this is this is the best one. E- yeah. So I think the so Echo you're not surprised. You is look a culmination. Echo and you're like, of course they built the Echo. Like, you, you don't look at it and say, nope. you know, wow. No, nope. I say, of course they built the Echo. Like, it feels like a culmination, not a shot, you know, out of, in the dark out of nowhere. Um, they're using the same voice, inter- you know, voice interface technology they had on the Fire TV two years ago. Right, they're just applying it to a broader. Me- they were like, "Oh, the best thing about this Fire TV thing we have plugged into your TV is actually the remote I talk into. So, can I take the little remote that I talk into and turn that into a generalized product? That's the way I do that." Yeah, I mean, and also I'm I'm amazed how out of the box how extensible it is. Like, you know, I could play a playlist, uh, you know, from Spotify, you know, with with no problem. You know, I've got friends that I went to the Stack Overflow board meeting yesterday. There were people at the Stack board meeting. They were talking about they've got it hooked up to their coffee maker. They just, yep. you know, they tell it to, they tell Alexa to start the coffee. Yep. Um, we don't have it hooked up to our lights, but I'm actually going to play around with that um, this weekend. And and you know, I just think the Siri HomeKit thing is is dead on arrival because you just don't have confidence that Siri's going to know what you're talking about. Oh, so you're you're making a claim that their voice is just better. I think their voice is just better. I I feel like when I use Siri. Which I am using it increasingly more often, and I think the hit rate has gotten like substantially better than a year ago, which was substantially better than two years ago. But it still feels like, you know, is it going to work? You kind of have a little bit like while Siri's doing its thing, you know, for that, you know, 10 milliseconds or whatever it is, like, or one second maybe more accurately, you're kind of, you wouldn't be surprised if it did give you the right answer, right? Or, or, or when it gives you the right answer, you're like, ah, it's pretty cool. And it'll be Alexa. It won't be. It won't be a Nest product. You don't think it won't be the Nest voice interface, Bijan? So what's the deal with Nest? I mean, like you got a company spending arguably five hundred has a five hundred million dollar year budget. I, yep. I mean, that's the that's the legend has it with all these leaks and and uh, speculation. But but I I'm not surprised. But call it call it three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, maybe six hundred, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And uh, so they they did the thermostat. They did a smoke alarm. They bought yep. Dropcam. Yeah. You know, are you impressed? Um, uh, I like my Nest thermostat. Um, it's very hard not to be judgy about the amount of products that they have released up until now. Uh, like they just, they haven't innovated a whole lot. Um, and I don't know. I have a long, I think it's very difficult to release new products inside of very large companies that are innovative and interesting. That has always been true. And I and I think, you know, Google has tried with Alphabet to find ways for solving for that. Um, but I think it still remains incredibly, incredibly Well, I difficult. mean, Microsoft is the poster child of this issue, right? And... Yes, but look, I I, I saved all my iPhones. Go all the way back to Xerox Park. Yeah, yes. I saved I saved all my iPhones, and you pick up, you know, like two generation ago iPhone, like, and you're like, oh my god, we've come a long way. Like, I feel like each upgrade you feel like is incremental, but because because we're sickos, we buy every new iPhone. Like most people wait two years, right? But if you, if you go back, like you know, one generation, you know, two years, and then you go back even another one, like it's like, oh my god, like imagine somebody made you use an iPhone four today. Look, I, I look. I, I agree. I just think it's like stop pointing at the exception of the rule. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's and, the bar. And then and then claiming that that's going to make it look. I, the, look, the Silicon Valley common approach is you hey, know, look at, look hey at, look Microsoft's going to do it, and then later nowadays it's Google's going to do it. So you should not do it as a startup. 
And I just have the exact opposite view. Totally. Like, oh my God, those people are so smart. Unfortunately, they have the albatross of Google around their neck. And so they're going to have a much harder time actually executing. I would bet against Google every day of the week, even though they're brilliant and they do great work. Uh, and I'm happy to keep doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd bet against Google, but like, would you back a company that was taken on the iPhone? A startup. A startup that was taken on the iPhone? Oh, would yeah. you bet against Apple? I would bet against Apple. Well, like, like, so for example, we would bet on a, we would make an investment if somebody was trying to disrupt Google search, right? Or, uh-huh. you know, but like if somebody said, hey, I'm going to go compete against iOS, would you take, would you take that one? Sure. But, but it would have to be like, this is like, for me, I, I still, I divide things in my head into, you know, red ocean and, and blue ocean strategies. And um, from that old book, like, like right now, iOS and cell phone infrastructure is, is the reddest of red oceans, right? It's, you have a bunch of billion dollar companies, multi-billion dollar companies that are all competing for tiny bits of market share uh, at retail to eke it out. They're doing incremental uh, progress along the way, releasing every year. Like the winner, the next generation, like it won't be an iPhone in 30 years. And the next generation of startups that, that disrupt cell phones are going to do so orthogonally. They're not going to do it by releasing a slightly better cell phone. Oh, yeah, like, of course. Yeah. You, you can't play the game the, way, the same way everybody else is playing the game or you will absolutely lose. So, but, so my way of answering is like, yes, of course I would bet against Apple, but not on Apple's same strategy. Well, like, here's the thing. I guess, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying, and I, I largely agree with you. So I, I didn't say the question very well. Like, if you automatically assume big companies can't innovate, then it's a hard time explaining, like, what happened here with Echo, right? Like, because either you take my um, observations, like, how the hell did Amazon build this thing? Because I, right. I haven't been that inspired by Amazon hardware products. Or you take your supposition, which is Amazon has a history of building great hardware and a commitment to building great hardware. So... Either way, they're in the bucket of big honking company pumping out high quality stuff, right? Like so, and then and then you know Apple clearly is, Facebook clearly is. So like, you know, Google is not like what's happening at Dropcam and Nest is a fumble, right? Right? Like like that app can't talk to any third party things. Like it can't like this is a net native company, maybe the first real net native company. You know, Google at scale. Like that can't that thing can't talk to other things. Like that's cookie. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden my Nest, no, sorry, my, my Alexa can like talk to a coffee machine out of the box, like, or, yeah. or, or, or competing music service. I mean, like, it's kind of amazing. Like they, they, the old world would have been like, it only works with our music service. Right. Um, and you gotta, you gotta sign up for prime or, or this thing is a brick. Yeah. I, it, that's a good thing to, to throw back in my face. I think that's appropriate to, to cite Amazon <laughs> as the counter example. Hmm. Why, why did Amazon work as a CE? Pro- why was I optimistic about Amazon as a CE company three or four years ago? Right. Um, and yet, like, I'm confident competing against, frankly, I am, I'm confident trying to compete against Amazon in other categories. Right. Like, we're, we're, taking, a, we're taking a very committed position that Postmates is going to be a better product for users than, than Amazon's play in this space. Yeah, I... Uh, I think it's about, you know, I, I, the way I would contextualize it is that when you are approaching a business that you have already been operating, the, the weakness I see in Apple is that they are going to try and run at scale everything that they're doing. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's, of course, their benefit is that they can go source some crazy new material, buy out the supplier, cut an exclusive agreement, and suddenly, right. you know, you have a new form of crystal in the next version of iPhone that the other guy can't do. Right. But that's not the only way you compete. I think it, the interesting thing about Amazon, which is just very, very rare, is that they try to do different new things with every CE approach they had, some of which were horrible whiffs, but they acted like a startup. Yeah, which you know, is we're, we're, forgetting, we're forgetting one really important thing. What? They actually made this stuff, Google acquired it. Mm, yeah. Right? That's like they, they, you know. Yeah, was, but Google, I mean, Google, Google built self, Google's building self driving cars, and I bet against them there too. Yeah, but for different, but for different reasons. But yeah, um, good point. That's a great point. Yep. That, that. Yeah, all, all good points. Let, but let's go. Let's let's segue off hardware for a second. Uh, let's chat about Snapchat. You had some points you wanted to make as you were thinking about where they're headed. I guess there's a few things. You know, we're using it. We're late for the for the user base, but we're kind of like right in that first wave of our age group. Um, and uh, you know what happens when the dorks show up? You know, like the, the old guys. What do you do when it's not just your two best friends watching anymore and everybody else is watching? And so Twitter starts from like, I just went to the bathroom to like Barack Obama having somebody else craft his tweet. Facebook starts with the random missives of the day to like, now I'm going to start a Facebook page and I'm going to get subscribe to you. And, and you're worried about just showing your best self. And like, is Snapchat, you know, Snapchat goes from my four friends in high school to now like the Republican presidential candidates like crafting their pieces for Snapchat. And is right. this just the arc that naturally happens um, with every social network? Or is there something more enduring that'll keep it feeling like actually that intimate, just call it like, you know, it, it starts out feeling intimate and then it stops. And is that the way that well i i don't feel like it i think the beauty of it is that it doesn't feel less intimate now but it just feels interesting i mean what i want to say is that the posers showed up you know yeah <laughs> uh but what i what i i i feel like i don't feel like it loses intimacy because like my daughter is never going to see um the content marketing people on snapchat like she's just I don't you know think that's true you th oh you don't yeah She's gonna, she's gonna like. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You're saying like when Rihanna yes. starts posting. You're totally right. Of course. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And then it's Rihanna and 20 other celebrities, and that's 80% of her Snapchat experience. Right. Or, or is it? Uh, I, I would, yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, well, the thing is that there's two pieces, right? There's the private messaging stuff. That's, that's, I mean, what's your take? I, my take is that the. Oh, great. So now private messaging is what Snapchat's gonna be. So if Snapchat's just private messaging, then like, great, we had SMS before, they reinvented SMS, like how was that the thing? Oh, but, but before Stories, that's what it was, it was a reinvention of, of, of text, right? Right, but Stories, uh, I mean we agree, Stories is the, the, that's the fascinating part of the business. I don't, I, no, well, don't I think, think so. people like us, yeah, I feel like it's, I think it's like to the, the, the nucleus of this community, it's 50-50. Yeah. I wonder what the data shows, I mean we could find out, right? We could find out. Like the, I don't know if you were in the meeting. Like, did, did were you there when I mentioned the whole streaks thing with that? Yeah. There, that the kids pass around their user. Like, like if it's stories, then they don't care about the streaks. But the streaks really matter. Your general point is, that, or perspective is that the stories and and the kind of messaging and streaks side of the usage, they're 
are they really kind of two different products or do you think they feed off of each other? I think they're related, but it's, it's amazing that you have this vibrant public part and you have this vibrant private part. Right. And, uh, and that's the, like, that, I don't want to say that's the special thing. There's plenty of special things about it, but like, it may be unprecedented, right? Like, I feel like Facebook was private. When they, when they went to public, it made people kind of crazy. And Twitter is public. And private isn't really their jam. Like, Twitter DMs isn't like yeah. the heartbeat of the service. Right. And yet you have this, you have this uh, private and public. Instagram as well, added messaging, but it's not, that's not the thing. It's not the jam. And in fact, uh, stories, I don't know if you know this, but you could either be private, public, or black, public with a blacklist. Like, so yeah. one of my kids, uh, who I'll shame right now, Sophia, she's blacklisted Lauren and I from her <laughs> stories. Right? So she's, so, everybody in the world can see what's going on in her life except for, except for well, mom and everyone dad. That she, everyone that she's friends with. So we could right. send her private messages, yeah. but her stories were on the, on the, on the do not read list. And kind of, wow, like, that's a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a I, I, but the, I think the larger point is I, I'm, I am not, I don't know how, the interesting thing about Snapchat that makes it very scalable on the messaging side is the, is yeah. the one-to-many aspect of the message where you choose who you're sending it to, right? It's the, yeah. I, take, I take a snap of me, I send it to five friends or four, I omit you know, my dad this time, I add my mom this time, I add my three friends from high school. Like that kind of control mechanism is I think yeah. what allows it to keep a sense of authenticity as it grows. Stories I was initially incredibly excited about as if it felt like, uh, and now it just feels like it's trending in the same direction as every other social network, which is that once, once everybody knows everybody is watching, they change their behavior and by its very nature, it becomes less authentic and therefore more, less valuable. Like, you know, you just, never mind that, that a random VC just came on board to Snapchat last week and that that person or some random brand came on last week and that person isn't doing what you would describe as Snapchat authentic content. I actually just think that there are people that I've been following for a year or more that are pushing different things to Snapchat than they pushed a year, just like we saw on Facebook, just like we saw on Twitter. Just because their audience got bigger. As, the, as the, the more eyeballs and the more disparity of people that are staring at you, it is very hard. It is very hard to stay... Look, I think we both tried very hard to do it, but like it's super hard to stay authentic and real, um, and most people fail at that. I don't know if I succeed either, but I mean, but, I, I, I think well, the natural yeah, I mean, the natural inclination is for that to happen, and I think it'll happen here too. The, I mean, the, that's not saving grace. That sounds very dramatic, but the thing that is still so distinct about the the way the product is laid out is that, like on Twitter, if you post, like if you go on a tweet storm from hell. Mm -hmm. You you will be punished for it, right? And but if you go on a Snapchat story from hell, where literally let's say it's a hundred photos today, you you're okay, right? You know what I mean? Because like if I'm just kind of tired, I don't really have to tap on your name in the story line. Or you swipe I mean, now in the new model, model you just you swipe left and you go to the next person. I swipe out, yeah. you know, and I fail. Whereas like I feel like in the in a news feed, reverse chronological news feed, like I'm I'm I got I got to take whatever you give me, right? Right. All right. One last gadget before we get off. This is probably pretty brief, but uh, I, we found out that you just got the new 
iPad Pro. What, wait, you, what did you? What did your? What did your cool friends call I, it? I've heard. I've heard iPad fans are calling the new iPad Pro 9.7 inch iPad Pro a baby. Okay. Pro. I heard. I heard that's the okay, word. Okay. So I, you just got a baby Pro. You know, coincidentally, uh, you know, yesterday my I also got a baby Pro. Just hey. Uh, and so we talked earlier about this. The the iPad Pro was the first product from Apple you've returned. The, the big, the big honking honking one. one. So, so yeah. you know, it was it just that this is smaller, and so you're like, I'm in. What might what? Well, that form factor. I love that form factor. Yeah. I, I love iOS. I, iOS to me. I mean, I am so close from like giving up on macOS. Like, I am. I am so close, and I, I am actually hoping that day is sooner rather than later. I just feel like there's so much more. It's just such a a, a more interesting platform. But um, so the, the form factor was great. I'm intrigued by the pencil. That that. To me, feels like yeah. So I got one too. I'm really having fun with it, and I, and I feel like there's going to be all sorts of stuff that like is going to come, or maybe. I mean, that's the fun part about kind of guessing. Like I, I, I think it's it's going to be really exciting times. And then I also bought the keyboard. I must say, I, I bought the keyboard, and uh, so the way I'm doing it right now is I use the smart cover for like normal iPady stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, around consumption of content, lightweight email, Twitter, yada yada yada, and then when I like want to get busy, I I go into work mode with it, and I and I slap the keyboard on it, and uh, when I go on an overnight trip, I just throw the keyboard in my bag, and then I take it out like when I'm in the hotel room or something. So, you know, I I kind of wish all these devices had a work mode and a non-work mode. Like like wouldn't it be cool if you could hit a button on your iPad or iPhone or like on the weekend like. Slack and all this stuff goes to your second page. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, and like your kind of, you know, kind of non-worky stuff goes to your your home page. Like I I I, I kind of want to. You want multiple I, I profiles, like which which actually yeah. the the yeah. Amazon Kindle tablet <laughs> no. was the first product. <laughs> <laughs> and you know I, I I mentioned this already at the Stack board meeting yesterday. We we're talking about more stuff than just the board meeting, I guess. But uh, Alex at Stack also said like. He wants different profiles on these things because he wants these devices all over his house. Like he wants iPad Minis, iPad Pro, like you know. And then you just kind of pick up whatever you want. And you just kind of get busy, you know. Like that'd be I hadn't great. thought about a work mode, but I, I, I definitely want a kid mode, you know. Um, right. yeah, totally. But but a work mode would be really really wonderful, where like certain notifications don't come in. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't I don't need my Instagram notifications to come in at that point, and I, I that would right. be because I think actually the reason that you're so attracted. To, well, I'll ask you, but I, I, I think I know. The reason you're so attracted to iOS, and the reason I'm so attracted to iOS, is actually the non-windowing interface. Like, what I love about it yeah. is the single-tasking part of it. And uh, it helps well, me focus. Although I am, using, uh, I am using the split panel. Right, but it's a little on the side, and then you put it away. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. Um, right, it's, the, right. It's, the way, it's the way multitasking should be, which is easy accessibility, but not yeah, total right. distraction. And right. uh, and it's just so it just makes it much more easier to work in. I am trying to make the jump so. off of OS X. Um, I am starting. I'm, so I'm taking my laptop home this weekend. I'm yeah. putting it at home, and I'm going to try to not touch my laptop for unless except for when I'm at home for like the next couple of weeks. And imagine, can you imagine the following scenario for real? Like, can you imagine at your office, you have an iPad Pro, the big honking one, at your desk, right. just plugged right. in. It's not portable, yeah. you know, and then and then you have the baby pro in your bag. That's, I mean, that's what I'm basically doing. I'm doing, except what I'm doing is um, I have the laptop at home for emergencies, uh, like mostly yeah. like 
sometimes I really like to just get down and dirty in Excel and like, you know, pivot the table now and then. And like, and I, I still can't podcast, podcasting. And podcasting, you know, uh, there should be an app for that. And, uh, and so, you know, I got, I got to do it for that. But other than that, I'm not really, I'm going to try to not use it at all. In the office, I'm just putting in, uh, it's a little kludgy, but I'm just putting in an LCD television with an Apple TV hooked up to it. And I just come in with my little mini iPad. Uh, sorry, my iPad, what did you call it? Baby. Baby, Baby Pro. Pro. And then just yeah. AirPlay it up to the big screen. And use my Wait, what? And use, and what? Use my keyboard. Oh, use a Bluetooth keyboard yeah. and AirPlay. And AirPlay up to the big screen. And then I and then I have a desktop with a nice big monitor. How big monitor are you going to do? Uh, like probably, you know, probably what would be like the smallest LCD TV I can buy. Yeah, yeah. So not like a like a forty two or fifty six no, 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 no. inch panel, but like a like a like a twenty yeah. something. That's fascinating. Yeah, you could to- that would totally work, it would wouldn't work. it? Well, we'll see. We'll report back next. I know it's so much better. I I just think like every app in my life, like like my banking app, is way better on iOS than the website. Exactly. Like exactly. like. You know all this stuff. It's just so oh, it's so it's so much fun, and I feel like my Mac is just not happy. But yeah, well, did you get the keyboard? Of course. Do you, do you like it? How do the keys feel to you? Um, so I also have the Logitech keyboard, and uh, oh, you got the Keurig, and and I ha- and I'm and I, I currently this is the Logitech keyboard is the one that I carry. Oh, around. that's the uh, yeah yeah that's not the Keurig one. That's the that's the I know what you're talking about. So that one, the only thing with that one, you have to charge that baby, right? To try yeah, it's a Bluetooth on. keyboard. I have to charge it, um, and like I'm down with that. I like, I like, I need. I'm a haptics person. Like I care a lot about haptics, and I like key travel. I like the feeling, and if especially if I'm going to try to make this a primary device, then the keyboard has to be right. So I, I'm using this chargeable thing. I charge it, you know, once a week or something like that. It, it's not, you know. Do you feel like the haptics and the travel and all that stuff is? Um is like when we used to lament about plastic keys on a phone. <laughs> like, where are we on this cycle? Or, or is it the kind of thing like, you know what, we're just, you know, older dudes and we're going to need, a, you know, if we're going to use a full keyboard, we want to use a full keyboard. I don't know that I, I, I don't know that I want to uh, delve into my own psyche enough to answer that question. <laughs> uh, all I know is... <laughs> you you want a goddamn I keyboard. want a keyboard with some key travel... <laughs> And they sell it, and so that's what I'm going to use. <laughs> so you tried the Apple Smart Keyboard? Yeah, I have it. I have it somewhere else around and, here. And, and you, you'd rather have? That I one. would rather have this one. Yep. All right. Yeah. Awesome. But we'll Very come cool. back. We may again. Lives can be changed. Uh, minds can be changed. We may come back in a hallway chat or two, and I'll be like, "Oh, I'm done. I'm on this. I'm on the Smart Keyboard." Like I don't know what I was thinking, you know. We'll, we'll we'll have to refer back and figure out. Well, frankly, we'll have to refer back in, in a little bit and figure out whether any of this stuff sticks. As about um, next time, we need a guest, so we'll also be talking about who we'll be bringing on. Oh, right. Next hallway chat. All right. <laughs> Bye. Later.